0: Hey, my is Amanda. I wanna thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. Scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter one, verses 18 through 23. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven "...against all the godlessness and wickedness of people, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and His divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse." For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: That's a pretty pitiful prayer, wouldn't you say? That's not, that's not how you say grace, okay? So grace comes from the same root word as gratitude, and all bound up with that is this notion of gift, uh, that, that life is a gift. And it's only right that when we come to a meal, we say grace, because everything comes from God. Everything that we have, the abilities, the talents, uh, the, the earth's produce, all of that comes from God. And it's right and good that we express gratitude. And we know that when we don't express gratitude, or we do it that way, um, that something's just wrong with that, right? Something's wrong with that. And so uh, uh, we know this with parenting. And, uh, you know, when your kids get something and um, they are, you know, someone is just giving them something in front of you and they don't respond, what do we do as parents? We say, We prompt them. What do you say? Right? You ever did that with your kids? Yeah? Yeah. And we know the answer is supposed to be oh, thank you. What do you say? Thank you. Because we sometimes have to be prompted because let's just say the gratitude isn't always our natural response to things. And so uh, everything is a gift from God. So what do you say? Yeah, thank you. It's uh, very central to our faith and worship and everything. Now, in Romans 1, Paul is going to lay out in this magnificent letter the, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is going to take, take the, the readers on this grand tour. But before he does, he has to establish, why do we need the gospel to begin with? Why was all of this necessary? Why did, why did God come to, to us through Jesus and uh, die on the cross and rise again? And so he establishes it in Romans 1 to say that basically we're sinners and we need a Savior. And so that's what he's doing in Romans 1. And so he says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, that's some pretty heavy language there. Now, you would expect that when he comes out of the chute, talking about the real issue and the real problems with human beings, he'd start talking about the real bad stuff like murder, rape, and pillaging, right? He says, for although they knew God, meaning they knew there's a creator, it says they're without excuse, they look at the world around them, and how can you deny that there's a design and there must be a designer and a creator behind that? He says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. It's a real problem. You know where the problem begins? Is we don't glorify God. Now that's another way to say worship. When you worship, you glorify God. When you glorify God, you worship. The essential problem it begins with a failure to worship, a failure to give thanks. That's where the whole human dilemma begins. The first sign of the darkness of the human heart is that we fail to worship God and give Him thanks because He's due all worship and gratitude. And He said, He goes on in that verse to say, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's a thinking problem, this lack of gratitude. Whether you don't have a relationship with God and don't see a need for God or you are a a follower of Christ and gratitude has slipped kind of back in the recesses of your mind and regular worship has kind of fallen by the wayside, we forget our thinking is the problem. It's a thinking problem. See, because the more you think, the more you reflect on life, the more you really begin to understand how much you've been given our problem is that we, we just get so busy, we rush through life, we don't pause, exhale, whew, say, look at all that I've been given. I am the recipient of boundless treasure and goodness. And here's the crazy thing, you know, next week, Advent begins. Can you believe it? Next week, Advent, first Sunday of Advent, which means four weeks from then we'll be... Uh, Coming to the manger to worship the newborn king. But here's the thing, I don't know about you, but here's the thing that happens over the next month. You get so crazy busy getting ready to celebrate the birth of the king that you don't pause to celebrate the king and to give thanks for the king. We get we get just so we pack our schedule so full, we're doing so much stuff that we don't reflect. And so I want to invite you this day. I want to give you some opportunity here in this service. I want to give you some space to begin this season as we anticipate starting this season um, by reflecting and thinking. Their thinking became futile, lacking purpose, meaningless, devoid of meaning. You know what the opposite of what an antecedent of of futile is? It's fruitful. So instead of futile thinking, let's do some fruitful thinking. Because thinking leads to thanking. Reflecting on your life leads to a spirit and a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. So, let's look at this. Thinking that leads to thanking begins with a new posture. We begin with a new posture. Where does the gospel begin? Jesus and Mark preaches, and the very first words out of his mouth are Repent. Repent and believe the good news. We need to repent. That's a good old church word, Bible word. Uh, It means changing of of your mind. It's all thinking thing. I think I, I don't think about God. I don't think I need God. But now, oh, I really do. And and it's thinking that leads to a transformation. I go a different direction. I begin to think in a new way. And that means, honestly, The best place to start when it comes to the lack of gratitude in our hearts is repentance. And just acknowledging that we have not given God thanks as we should. Uh, in the darkest days of the uh, Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln issued a proclamation. And it was for March 30th, 1863, a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. And in his proclamation, he says, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven here in our nation. We've been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power, but we have forgotten God. Amazing how some things just continue to be true. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us, and we have vainly imagined and in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become all too self sufficient. You know what the greatest sin in the Bible is? Self sufficiency. And um, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then. I like that word, behooves. To humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness, the place to begin with our ungrateful hearts is repentance. And that's proper thinking that leads to fruitfulness. Um, Thinking that leads to thanking also keeps things in perspective. That's part of the futility is um, we, are, we are so prone to, we have a negative bias. Um, that th- We focus on the negative. Let me, let me demonstrate this. If you get 10 compliments in a day and one negative comment, you go home that night, what's the one thing you're going to focus on? Yeah? Am I the only one? Hello? This just this negative bias. And we do the same things with, with uh, the, the things in our life. We can so easily focus on what we don't have that we fail to recognize what we do have. Now, the geniuses on Madison Avenue exploit this with billions of dollars of advertising, and you and I, we're going to get absolutely swamped with all kinds of appeals to buy all kinds of things between now and Christmas, and their objective is to say, your life is miserable until you buy this thing, Right? And, 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 and if you don't buy this thing, then you can't possibly be happy. And you look around, well, my neighbor has that. Well, folks on the street, you know, those, those parents at school, they, they had that for their kid. And then we, we get our focus off of what we do have it on what we don't. It's, again, it's a thinking problem. It's where our focus is. So we need to keep things in perspective and even and ask and it's okay to ask. There's there's um, one of the, the best prayers for encouraging us to ask is from Philippians chapter four verse six says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God." That's a long way of saying, ask God for something. Go ahead, Give, make your request to God. Uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in, in the Lord's Prayer, "Give us this day our daily bread." God delights for, for us to ask, but in that in that prayer, did you notice? He says, "Don't be anxious." What he tucks in the middle of that? As you're making your requests, do it with thankfulness, do it with thanksgiving, because the truth is, you already have everything. You have so much. How blessed you are. In every respect. So when you ask, be thankful. Be thankful. Uh, like you, I can get enamored with the latest tech thing, and uh, uh, if you've been at LaCroix for a few years, you know, I have groused publicly about needing a TV that's bigger than what I currently have. I've been pushing for a 90-inch for several years now, and uh, Linda stands in the way of this because she says no, it's too big for the wall, and she thinks it's too big for the room, and I disagree, and I think if I keep hammering away in sermons like this, that she'll finally relent <laughs> and say, okay, go ahead, and... Uh, And then the matters got worse in our family this year when my middle son decided to up the game and he finished off his basement and got one of those projection TVs. It's 146 inches wide. It is wrong for a son to have a television three times the size of his dad's. It's just wrong. And I told him that. Um, and, And so so, yeah, I've been thinking, man, you know, that would be really cool. And then that's, that's in my insane moments. And then every once in a while, I, sanity hits me when I think right. And I think, 55-inch TV is not that bad. Actually, I have, I have a 55-inch TV. Do you know how many people in the world can say that? Well, let's take it back a step. How many people say can say I have electricity? I have my eyesight. Don't I already have everything? Tell you, got a perspective for me last year. Last spring, 21, um, something happened. My left eye required. Three surgeries. And in between surgery number two and three over the summer, my eyesight got progressively worse. It went from 2020 to 2400. I'm thinking, my eyesight never been threatened. I always had to wear glasses, but no big deal. Let me tell you, when you think you may lose sight in an eye, all of a sudden, you don't take it for granted. G.K. Chesterton had so much to say about gratitude. And gratitude is, a, is a favorite sub, one of my favorite subjects to address because when I see the lack of it in my life, I mourn that and I realize I need more of it. And he said, You can take life for granted or you can take it with gratitude. Let me tell you, I will never take for granted my eyesight again. But I say after the third surgery, thank God for good medical care, my eyes a whole lot better. That was a scare and a reality check of what I have, what we have. I mean, how could I ask for more? G.K. Chesterton, he wrote a poem called Evening, and he said, here dies another day in which I've had eyes, ears, and hands, and the great world around me. Tomorrow begins another. Why am I given to Now, that was before he found Christ, and he later became a very devoted follower of Jesus. And he's saying, I I have this real deep need to express gratitude to somebody, and I don't know what to do with it. Why am I given this second day? I'll tell you why you've been given that day. I'll tell you why you've been given this day, because there's a good God in heaven who said to the sun, rise, and who said to your heart, keep beating, and your lungs, keep breathing. And you're here today because there's a God who loves you and showers you with blessing and goodness. That's why you were given this day. It's a gift. It's a gift. When I have these attitude adjustments necessary, there's a, there's a go-to song for me that I have it's been around a long time. I'll just play it and I'll say, yeah. And it's a song with simple lyrics that remind us that the most important things are the simple things. I'm so glad to be able to share this song with you.
2: So if there's anything
1: Can I ask for more? Say, what do you want for Christmas? I got my gift yesterday. My son Anthony and two granddaughters were with him. And uh, me and Lucy, they're two and four, and just as cute as possibly can be. And they love to come to Nana's house. It's not Grandpa's house, it's Nana's house. It's okay. And... Uh, I was sitting in my lap yesterday, and I was reading Dr. Seuss books. i can got ask for more. Grace is coming to you right now. Remember, grace is a gift. You are bombarded by gifts right now. And when we don't realize that, it's because it's a thinking problem. So in this message right now, I want to invite you to, to reflect on how blessed you are. So if you're comfortable, and this is a posture of reception and just receiving from God, and if you want to do that, that's fine. Close your eyes. I just want you for a moment to picture all the grace that's coming your way. You're here. If you're in the room, you were able to walk in. Your health sufficient for you to be out. If you're worshiping online, you're able to watch online. You're able to worship online. You just took a breath. You'll take another. That's a gift. Your heart is beating. Your lungs are working. I suspect many of you have someone pretty special sitting next to you. You have clothes to wear. Abundance of clothes. You'll, see, you'll sleep in a good warm bed tonight with a roof over your head car. How many people can say they have a car? Eyes to see, ears to hear, hands to touch. A sense of smell to take in that aroma from the Thanksgiving meal this week. Father, we thank you that we are bombarded with gifts, that every moment of every day is a gift from you. How can we ask for more? Amen. Thinking that leads to thanking keeps things in perspective. What you have is so amazing. It also helps us remember what matters. Um, There's um, so many verses in the New Testament about gratitude. You can't read Paul's letters without stumbling over the word grateful, thankful, um, grace. It's all through through his letters. And in, when he wrote the Philippian church, he starts by saying, I thank my God every time I remember you. Writing to the people, and he's remembering them. It's easy to forget, isn't it? The people that mean so much to us. The people who have made us who we are. The people who have influenced us and shaped us and blessed us. In fact, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good spiritual discipline to be in the habit of, of remembering and just thanking God for those who have meant so much. Mr. Rogers had this uh, thing he would do with uh, people, and that is he would invite them to take a moment, a minute of silence, and to remember the people who loved you into being, who have made you who you are. So, I'm going to give you that time right now. I'm going to set my watch here. I'm going to give you a full minute of silence. It might help to close your eyes. I want you to think of the people who loved you into being deceased, living. Bring their minds, bring their faces to mind, would you? And after everyone, say thank you, Lord. You have a minute. Okay. Father, we thank you in our every remembrance of those names and faces that just came to mind because we are today who we are because of them and you blessed us through them. Amen. Some find that keeping a gratitude journal was a blessing, and I've talked about that through the years. Um, but research, and there's a lot of research been done on gratitude. A lot of stuff has been researched, and especially in the area of positive psychology. And again, gratitude is a fascinating subject to me. I read everything I can possibly about it because I need more of it in my life. And um, what they found, though, is that, is that um, keeping a gratitude journal works for about half of the folks. It, 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 will, it will move you to a point of gratitude, uh, but for other folks, you've, a lot of these, you've thought of these folks, and you, you don't really take those people in your life for granted, and it just doesn't really impact you. And so instead, there's, there's another uh, technique, there's another way of helping us remember and be grateful, uh, and it's called the George Bailey technique. You, George Bailey, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, the guy, yeah, the, from the movie. Yeah, the movie that you'll see play 55 times over the course of the holiday season, right? It's a wonderful life. Uh, you, know, you know the story. George um, was this wonderfully gracious, good man who was generous and blessed his community in, in many, many ways. And then he has this financial hardship, and it is so severe that he um, lost $8,000. Can you imagine that? That was like you know, a fortune back in the 30s. Um, And he was so despondent over this loss that he decided the only way was to to take his life so his family could collect the insurance money. And he's at the bridge, and he's going to jump off. And if you remember, he sees in the river below him a guy drowning, and so he's so good-natured and good-hearted he can't go through with his plan. So he goes there and rescues Clarence. Well, Clarence happens to be an angel, and um, Clarence gives him this gift. He gives him this gift of being able to see the world as if George never lived. And the town that he lived in, that he had blessed in so many ways, just goes to hell in a handbasket. His wife, Mary, that he loved dearly, never gets married, and the children they had never exist. And he gets to the end, he says, it's, it is a wonderful life. And so um, a way to, to go about this, I, again, I, I discovered this recently, and I found it very powerful. And that is two ways you can go about it, and that is to picture the world without you in it, but also what to picture your life without those people in it that we just remembered are those experiences. So I sat down to do this recently, and I, and I thought of, I thought of our, Lynn and I, just after we got married, moving to, to Tulsa, where I attended Oral Roberts University, and before I went, maybe the year before I went, a pastor who had influence on in my life, who later kind of went on to be a famous pastor, some of you would know, um, talked, tried his best to talk me out of going to go seminary. And um, uh, he was very convincing. And he said, ah, you need to go You go to ministry. Well, a lot of people go to ministry without going to seminary. And I, and I, but I disregarded his advice and moved anyway. And I think, what would my life have been like if I didn't go to Tulsa and go to Oreo? I realized those were like the three most amazing years of our marriage. We treasure those three years. We had nothing. But we had everything. I, I would never have met my mentor, Bob Tuttle, who shaped me in so many ways and blessed a number of you here. Dr. LaCour was like a father figure to me in homiletics professor, and I learned so much from him and so many other godly men and women who shepherded me. And, and I was there, and I, I attended a, a brand new church. I'd grown up in a really old church, and I said, wow, this is kind of cool starting a new church. And a seed was planted, and all, none of that would happen. And then I think, what if I hadn't come to Cape Girardeau? You know, I didn't want to come here. <laughs> I've told you a story a lot of times, I felt God calling me to preach I started a new church I was convinced it was in St. Louis in the shadows of Bush Stadium I really and I argued with God for months so I'm reflecting I wouldn't know you and so many people who have are not gone but made me who I am in this beautiful community I've spent 34 amazing years in Cape Girardeau. And then I turned to my wife. There was a season where we were in the same youth group, same church, and then a whole bunch of folks left when our pastor left, and she left. And I thought, what if she never had come back? She came back about three months later. It wrecked me. I had to stop. I had to stop thinking about it because thinking my life without Linda was just overwhelmingly unbearable to me. I've been given so much. You've been given so much. And you know, the sad thing is, um, a lot of times we don't remember or think about this we don't pause and reflect and our, our thinking becomes futile because we don't see what we already have. And I'm sad to say, you know how some people learn it? They lose it. And then The movie uh, Shenandoah that we started clip from um, Jimmy Stewart. Plays Charlie Anderson. How about that? One message, two Jimmy Stewart movies. <laughs> I don't think I've ever talked about a Jimmy Stewart movie in a sermon, and I've got two of them in one message. Well, Charlie, he was a widower. Uh, his um, his wife Martha, that he loved dearly, died giving birth to their youngest child. They had six kids, and they named him Boy. Um, and um, um, he was in Virginia during the Civil War. They were against slavery and also against the war. And he refused, absolutely refused to allow his boys to get involved in the conflict. And so he tried to live this life of isolation. But the war and the troubles of the world found him nonetheless. And one day their youngest son boy had a, a confederate cap on. He, he just found it. And Union soldiers found him and, and captured him and took him away. And they looked and looked and they couldn't find him. And for like two years he was gone. Just gone. In the meantime, his oldest son gets married and um, living right there and gets shot by soldiers, he and his wife, and they both die. Now, um, Charlie had made a promise. The last dying wish of his wife, Martha, was that that he would keep the kids in church, that he would stay in church. Now, he didn't believe and he didn't want to be there, but he would go because he kept that promise. He'd always show up late and he'd disrupt things, and so... uh, uh, He'd go to the grave and he'd talk to Martha. And now there's two fresh graves, his son and daughter-in-law. And he's utterly broken because at the table now, there are three empty spaces, places. And he's telling Martha about how life doesn't have any meaning anymore. Life doesn't have any purpose anymore. He says, Martha, I need an answer. And just then church bells start to ring. And it's Sunday morning. He says, Martha, you always did give me the answer I needed. So we went off to the church. And um, about halfway through the service, his son comes walking in. And, you know, kind of the older movies can be a little melodramatic. But he comes walking in, and the congregation breaks out into the doxology. And now, for the first time, Charlie gets it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It's all a gift from God. Charlie had to learn that the hard way. By losing something, there's a better way, and that's to be grateful right now and to give him thanks and to glorify him now and to be a person of thanksgiving. Let's be that. Let's, let's go to these family gatherings this week with hearts full of gratitude. Before we ever say grace, before grace, after grace, and everything in between, let's be grateful. And praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's the way to think. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are the recipients of so much, so much good more than we can possibly even imagine. And so, Father, forgive us. We confess when we have not been grateful, when we have not been a grateful people. Forgive us, I pray. Forgive us when we have taken for granted, when we have taken life for granted instead of taking it with gratitude. May we be careful to give thanks to you in all circumstances, as you say, in your word. And so now, as we come to give thanks at this family meal, may our hearts be filled to overflowing with all that's been given to us. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
0: If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to LaCroixChurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out and we hope to see you soon.